How y'all got doing? How y'all doing? All right, so we are still in the Distracted series. We got a couple more weeks of this Distracted series for you guys. If you do not know who I am, I am KT, and I am one of the pastors here at Third Street. So if you were here last week, what we talked about was we talked about Lot and Lot's wife. And if you've heard me preach before, um, I'm the pastor that could make you miss the football game. Like if it's football season, I can kind of go along into the Sunday. And I didn't want to do that to you guys, uh, not last week, and I don't do, want to do it to you this week. That's the reason why I split my sermon in half from last week so we can get out of here before we passed out of dehydration. So we are going to go back to the same scripture of last week, and we're going to finish up my thought process on Lot and Lot's wife. So I'm going to take you guys to Genesis chapter 19. We're only going to do two verses a day, 26 and 27. But Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt early in the morning. Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. We're going to stop right there. Thank you for the reading of God's word. Um, I was watching TV. And it's crazy how, depending upon who your father is, it really dictates what you can get away with. It has a large impact on what happens when you mess up. And I was watching this TV show, and they had this kid on there. The kid took his father's phone with the father's permission, and he was playing on it as the father left. When the father came back, it was $1,000 worth of Grubhub spending on his phone. And I didn't know what was going to happen next. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know where the show was going. I didn't know if the kid was going to like dead, like the, the dad came home, beat him to death. I didn't know where the story was going. But she was like, and we have the kid right here. And when they went to the kid, right hand, kid had the father's phone in his hand still. Like they went to interview the kid and the kid was still playing with the father's phone. So they were like, hey, what happened? And he was like, you know, my dad left and I seen the Grubhub and I just start buying stuff. And they was like, yeah, we see you bought steak. You bought chili fries. You bought champagne. And they start showing the videos of the Grubhub people just showing up to his house dropping it off on the front step. And then the kid come out, grab the bag, go back in. And they was like showed the remnant of remain, of what remained by the time that the dad had got back home. The crazy thing was the mom was there the whole time. But that's neither here nor there. But it's crazy how even after he spent $1,000 worth of stuff on Grubhub, when they went to interview him, he still had the father's phone in his hand. He had to look up from the phone to do the interview. Fast forward to when I found out Caleb spent $10 on Spongebob movies at my house. I told Caleb, you can never touch my phone again. The first $5 I explained to you, if you get to it and it don't say play and it says buy now, that means you ain't got it. Now that you've done it twice, 
My phone is off limits to you forever. Like ever. Over the 10 bucks. And I feel like some of us have felt that in our relationship with God. Because of where our relationship is with God, we don't know where our limit is. We don't know exactly what's going to happen when we do something. But I feel like Lot's relationship with God and Abraham's relationship with God is a perfect example of this story. My man Lot, like when you really look at it, my man Lot messed up a lot. We really just talk about Genesis chapter 19, but this dude goes all the way back to like Genesis 11. And him and Abraham's relationship is like real close in what a relationship with a father is like like we're not talking about a dude who believed in the muslim religion hanging out with a dude who believed in christianity lot and abraham were both believers but their mistakes and how they handled them, their mistakes they just went a little different so today i want to talk to you about two things both sides of the fence i want to talk to you about the rescued and the rescuer the rescued and the rescuer. I've been on both sides of the fence. And I believe most of us have been on both sides of the fence. Last week, I talked about three points. I talked about who are you following. I talked about who you with. Say it. What no hard H's out there, was it? Right? And then you're not God. And that's the point that I want to talk about today. You're not God. Because I think that's where we go to when we think of us being the rescuer. We go to the fact that, I, okay, he's rescued me. Now, my job is to go out and disciple. My job is to go out and speak. My job is to go out and minister. Now, I am God. So, I'm going to get everyone to come to, like I said last week, to the well. And then people keep coming to you, drinking of your well. Still being thirsty, never getting to the God who says if they come to me, they'll never thirst again. And then what ends up happening is something ends up happening to this person. And then you feel responsible because you say, I gave them everything that I have, which brings me to my first point. But I gave them everything that I have. There's so many kids that I can think of that I'm sitting at their funeral. And I'm saying, but I gave them everything that I have. The nights of prayer. The waking up in the middle of the night. My wife being mad at me because I'm leaving at 1 o'clock in the morning to go pick up a kid. Because they don't want to go home in the state that they're in. The days in the gym when I could be with Jeremy or Jordan or Lauren, but I'm here with another kid. Spending time with another kid, doing all of these things and only for them to hit me up on Father's Day from in jail. Only for them to have to allow or only for me to have to hug their mother on the day that she goes to say goodbye to them forever. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, how did I allow for this to happen? I gave them everything. If you're anything like me, I got something that I want to tell you today about you being the rescuer. It's not your responsibility. You're not God. 
You're not the well. You're not the savior. It's not your responsibility. It's not your fault. I know the guilt that you carry. But this process is unhealthy. There's a scripture that says we were set free for freedom's sake. And I love it. Because it lets me know that I wasn't set free for me. I was set free for someone else. But we have to allow for God to be God and for us to just be whatever it is that he has for us in this part of the plan. Let's really look at Lot and and Abraham's relationship, right? Because I think it really mirrors, like, that person that's young and full of zeal, like, it, it mirrors. Abraham's life mirrors ours. He's chilling. He ain't thinking about God really, really, really. God comes and he calls him. And when God calls him, the first person the Bible says he grabs was Lot. Before he even grabbed his wife, the Bible says Lot went with him. So he grabs everything that he has. Lot grabs everything that they have, and they go off on this journey of Christianity together. Right now, I want you to think of the who your lot is. Who is that person that as soon as you heard of God's goodness, you was like, I'm bringing you with me. I now know what God did, who God is, my father, my protector, the one who goes before me, the one who calls me the head and not the tail above and not beneath. And now that I have this understanding, man, you have to go with me. But then it's always that point in time where you have this part in your relationship with this lot that there's there's something that's that's causing you guys to just not see the eye to eye on you continuing to go forth in faith and them still loving the things of the world. What happens with Lot and Abraham is Abraham and Lot's herdsmen get into it. Abraham got a lot. Lot got a lot. And Abraham essentially goes to Lot and he says, from this point on, we're going to have to split up for a second. This is where we do not follow Abraham's footsteps. We try to hold on to people forever. There's a part in the Bible where um, I can't remember who exactly it was. It was Abraham. There's a part in the Bible where Abraham goes to grab his son and, and he goes to sacrifice him. And the Bible says that he grabbed those who were closest with him and he grabbed his son and then they went off. And the Bible says there became a point in time to where Abraham seen exactly what it is that God called him to do, exactly where the mountain was. And what did he do right there? He told the people that was with him, this is where you got to stop. Because in order for me to go do what God told me to do, I have to separate from you for a little bit. Because if I go to this mountain with those that are closest to me and I go to go to kill my son, you're going to actually try to stop me from doing what God called me to do. There was something about what was going on in the relationship with Abraham and Lot at this point in time where he said, if you go right, I'm going to go left. If you go left, I'm going to go right. But me and you have to separate right now. But what Lot chose was Lot chose the, the, the place that looked like Eden. He chose the place that the Bible said looked like the Lord's land. It was well watered, but it was Sodom. It was a place where evil was. I'm trying to make it quick. Fast forward 
to the next situation that happens. The kings of Babylon come. And there's five cities in the plains. And there's four kings that are with the kings of Babylon. So it's four kings against five. But those four kings start to win. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and Zor and the other cities of plain, they start to run away. They fall into a pit of something like asphalt, uh, like some tar or something like that. And then they become captive. The kings of Babylon, they take everything that Sodom and Gomorrah has. They take all its resources. They take all the things that would make them be able to move forward. And they take Lot. So the one person who is left goes out, he tells Abraham, they got your boy. So this is where I feel like Abraham says, I gave him everything. The Bible says that Abraham takes 318 of his soldiers to go get Lot. Now, this is where I struggle. Why would you use such an odd number? So it says that he gave 318 of his servants. He didn't say 300. He didn't say 320. I believe he says 318 servants because Abraham literally went and got every single person that he had to go get Lot. He was willing to lose everything that he had to go get Lot. And he goes and gets him. And he rescues him. And he rescues all the resources, all the goods, all the food. So the question I ask myself is, why is Lot back in Sodom again in Genesis chapter 19? How many times does Abraham have to save Lot? I bet you I know exactly when Lot was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to Sodom. Because like in Genesis 17 or something like that, Abraham was like, all right, all the fellas come here real quick. Hey, we about to circumcise. And the Bible says, before the day broke, Corey, before the day broke, every man was circumcised. Just imagine, right? <laughs> I come forward like, hey, God gave me a message. All the dudes, come here. Pull your pants down. <laughs> this is probably when Lot was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and high. I'm going to go ahead and head back to Sodom. You said foreskin? Nah, I'm cool. <laughs> that was yeah that was too much what God told me was you couldn't save them because it's not your responsibility but the reason why you feel bad is because you tried to save them as Abram and I called you to be Abraham there is a posture of growing that we're supposed to have. And what we've allowed ourselves to do is be in chains in prison, in chains behind closed doors, in chains behind bars. And when we meet Christ, he opens up the bars and we go running out of a prison that we're still in chain to. And we feel like just because we're free from the prison, 
that we should be able to go forth as Abraham. But there is a process between getting from Abram to Abraham that us as believers are not taking seriously. And we have stopped as the rescued when he's called us to be the rescuers. You can only save a life as Abraham. Remember, Abram said, come with me. Abraham said, we got to leave. You got to go this way and I got to go that way. Abram said, let our herdsmen work together. Abraham said, no, while you're in Sodom, I'll cry out from you for you from Canaan because I can't rock with you in Sodom. Some of us are trying to capture people while we're captured. We're trying to capture people while we're captured. We're trying to get people out of chains while we're still in chains. And it asks the question, I ask the question, why does Lot keep going back to Sodom? And it brings me to my second point. What are you chained to? He chose Sodom in Genesis 13. When he left Abraham, he rescues him. He chooses Sodom again. Each time the Bible says he has his family with him. And he's, he's got his family so accustomed to Sodom that when he finally figures out, I got to get out of here, his wife is like, I can't. This is going to be a, a, a sad story. But it gets better at the end. I'm glad my mom is here because a lot of times I'm sure y'all hear my stories and y'all like, I don't know if that really happened. You might be one of the pastors that is really good at telling bad stories. But I promise you, this really happened. I have a love-hate relationship for dogs. If anybody knows me, I really don't mess with dogs all like that. I had some bad situations. But I used to love dogs, like love dogs. And this one situation was one of the situations that messed it all up for me. My dad took me, him, and my dog way away from our house. Like way away from our house. And we at this park, and we playing with my dog. And he's like, hey, just let me know when you're tired. We're going to get out of here. I'm like, all right. So we playing, we doing all this other stuff. And then eventually I'm like, all right, dad, I'm, I'm ready to go. So my dad takes this chain. He puts it around the collar of the dog. And he goes to this pole and he puts the chain over the pole. He goes and gives the dog a couple of pats or whatever the case may be. He grabs my hand and we start walking. So the dog's just walking with us. And then eventually my dad was like, hey, bet you I can beat you to the car. I bet you you can't. With my Caleb smile. Because I'm like five, six at this point in time. So my dad takes off running. I take off running with him. The dog's running with us. He's barking. We're having fun. And then eventually I hear this like, right? But my dad has my hand. So all I can do is turn around. The chain had stopped. My dog can't go any further. But my dad's pulling me now. And I can't see the dog because the dog's no longer looking at where he thought he was going. 
He's looking back at where the chain is choking him from. I get in the car. I'm crying. I'm almost about to cry right now, and I don't even like dogs. And I'm trying to figure out, why is the dog out there, and we're in the car? My dad peels off. We're the 20, 15, 20 minutes away from my house. Eventually, we're getting close to my house, and I'm like, Dad, where is our dog? And my dad said, I can't feed you and him. And I knew that if I just told you I was going to get rid of him, it would have broke your heart. Mind you, this is the reason why I went through like therapy, all that counseling, because he didn't think this thing through. Like this scenario that he created was just good for my, my mind and my soul. But the thing that sticks out to me the most is the fact that the dog never looked at us. He always was looking back at what the chain was connected to. I wonder if Lot's wife really wanted to get to Zoar. She really wanted to get to the mountain, but she got to the point to where Sodom was just connected to her. And she didn't mean to turn around, but how far can you run from what you're chained to? How has your past kept you away from your future? Because no matter how fast you run, you're still connected to the foundations of the issue of the reason why you're running in the first place. You can't get away from the past pain, the past hurt, the trauma. Because it's connected to something so foundationally broken back there that it's stronger than who you are. You never have to run. You never have to walk. You never have to jog away from where that thing is if God is with you. If he is with you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you should ever be able to prosper. It doesn't say that no weapon will be formed. It says no weapon that is formed shall be able to keep you where you are at. I think some of us have grown into a space or a place to where we feel like I'm going to have to take the chain and the thing with me. There's no way that I'll ever get over him molesting me. I have to take the molestation and the chain that has grown from the molestation with me. I'll never get over him or her cheating on me. I have to take the cheating and the chain that has grown with me. What? Trauma has you chained to Sodom. But this is the crazy thing about Sodom. The first time for most of us, we went to Sodom on our own. We seen Sodom. It looked well watered. It looked like Eden. It looked like something that the Lord had created. Then Sodom literally was destroyed. And we chose to go back. We chose to go back to the pain, to the hurt, to the destruction, right? And then God gave provision for us to leave Sodom again. And somehow, some way, we still want to go back to something. And God told me this. He said, 
He said, this is a warning. If you go back again, you're going back to destruction. You won't make it out this time. I don't know who needed to hear that. But some of us are on our last strike. I don't know what part of Sodom you're in right now. If you're still walking towards the well-watered area. Or if you've gotten your way out of Sodom several times and you're on your last strike. But for me, God said, if you go back again, you're going back to what I already destroyed. What are you chained to? The issue is what we are chained to is stronger than what we are capable of. Are you enchained to pain? To the defeat? You enchained to the molestation? Are you enchained to the lack of forgiveness? What are you running full speed away from? Only to get so close to Zoar to be stopped in your tracks. Brings me to my last point. Whose hand are you holding on to? If you remember, the Bible says that Lot lingered. And again, as I said in the beginning, Lot and Abraham have a lot of similarities. Lot was in a place and God said, it's time for you to leave. The Bible says Lot lingered. First, he went to go get his sons-in-laws. They was like, yeah, you, you probably playing around. God, God ain't going to do nothing. And I think that that little bit of, hey, you, God ain't going to do nothing, it actually made Lot believe that. He probably ain't going to do nothing. And then the angels had to go grab his hand and take him to the end of the city. The same thing happened to Abraham when he was in earth. God said, hey, I need you to leave. But the Bible doesn't say that Abraham lingered. So the difference between Abraham and Lot again. But the one thing that I think of that we talked about again last week is who are you following? I couldn't imagine some of the men that I'm looking out into this crowd. Right? I couldn't imagine Brad running away from Sodom but leaving his wife behind. I couldn't imagine Chad or Corey or Nate running out of Sodom and leaving their wife behind, right? I couldn't imagine Brandon or, like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, what is going on in your relationship? Not that the men of God aren't holding on to your hand, because trust me when I tell you, my wife is not letting me not hold her hand on the way out. Which makes me believe that maybe Lot went like this. Some of the people that we're in relationship with, we're, 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 we're like, no, nah, I'm cool on holding your hand. I'm cool on you trying to help me get out of here. But again, that being the person that we chose to be in relationship with. There is so much trauma in some of our lives that we are willing to stay in relationship with somebody that we're not willing to allow for us to get out of what we're going through. 
I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives. I need you because of the pain that I have. But when this pain gets so deep that I need to run out of here, I don't feel comfortable holding on to you on the way out. And what will happen when you're in pain? When you're in pain, you'll grab the wrong person's hand. Real life story. My wife is right here. One, I can't swim. I want to look y'all in my eye, in the eye. Because I know some of y'all got swimming pools. Y'all be trying to invite people over. If it looks like I'm not swimming, I'm drowning. I need you to jump in. I'm looking you in the eye. Because I know Jeremy going to get a pool. He'll be like, KT, come over. 12 feet. No three feet, no five feet. You know how you walk in. None of that at Jeremy's house. Just 12 feet as soon as you jump in. So my wife's trying to teach me how to swim. Me being a man, I'm like, I got it. Mr. Hunk, I got it. Back up. Next thing you know, I'm drowning. Now, the pool ain't that big. It's really like I could stand up and the water be right here. But I'm panicking. Caleb got one of those jacket things on. He can't swim either. He like three, four. But he put his hand out. I grab it. Come on. Help me. (laughs) When you get to a place to where you feel like you're going under, you'll grab anybody's hand on your way down. But what happens? Has anybody ever seen the movie What Happens When Somebody's Drowning and they grab somebody else? What do they do? Bring them down with you. You've been wondering why. You keep feeling like you keep falling under the water when you know how to swim because you're hanging around people who you know can't float and they keep bringing you down every time they get in some pain every time their life is in a struggle and you feel like it's your responsibility to make sure that they don't drown you can't save them whose hand are you holding Whose hand are you even close to? Forget holding. I'm trying to swim and have a good time. But every time I'm around you, I have to turn into a rescue guard. But when you're holding the father's hand. I know when y'all was listening about my dad, y'all was like, his dad's some trash. Like, I don't like his dad. When his dad show up, (laughs) when his dad show up to Third Street to support, I'm not going to shake his hand at all. And you know, you're going to know who he is. He looks exactly like Caleb. 58, 62-year-old version of Caleb. So we're getting close to the house. My dad's explaining to me the reason why. Essentially, he said, I had to choose you over the dog. I'm five. What kind of conversation is that to have with a fire? I don't know what that means. <laughs> and we hit the corner. My mom has my witness. When we hit the corner, my dog was sitting on our porch. Corey hates it when I when I give a good sermon and I don't leave hope at the end. It don't matter what's holding you back. When you know where home is. I don't know what kind of magic trick this dog did, 
But my wife, I mean, my mom as my witness, when we got to our house, my dog was sitting on our porch. I'm going to call my dad the enemy. The enemy tried to chain him to a pole to keep him from home. But when you are strong enough to break the chain and the issue, you can make your way home. This dude beat us home and he had to beat a car, the highway, and what was holding him back. Don't tell me you are willing or you're ready to stop. Don't tell me that you're willing or you're ready to give up because something has been holding you to Sodom. Trust me when I tell you, God has created something inside of you that's so strong, that is so capable of beating the molestation, of beating the cheating, of beating the lies, of beating the fact that father wasn't there, the fact that mama left, the fact that he touched you, the fact that he left you, the fact that the money don't look the way that it's supposed to look, the fact that the neighborhood don't look the way that you thought that the neighborhood was going to look, the fact that the educational system is failing, the fact that the government isn't doing what you think, no matter what it is that has you stuck in the situation to where you feel like Sodom is the only place that you can go, God showed us even with light I had a mountain I had provision I had a plan 